This is Sportscasters Anonymous, a weekly podcast about sports, all sports, MLB, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, collegiate football, and collegiate basketball. But there's more. We'll even talk about sports video games, sports movies. It's all here. You're listening to Sportscasters Anonymous on the Random Chatter Network, broadcasting to the globe from Jacksonville, Florida. This is Don and Chip. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Thank you for joining us. Another episode of Sportscasters Anonymous. This is episode number 29, recorded on November 9th, 2020. I'm Don. He's Chip. How's it going, my man? It's good. It was a wild and wacky weekend. There were a lot of uh, uh, semi-almost upsets. Uh, a lot of teams played way out of their their minds. Uh, some blowouts, um, but it, all in all, it was a very crazy and wild weekend. Not much to report about as far as news, um, so we can get right into it. Uh, starting with the, how you can contact us. As always, you can contact us at our email. My email is chip at randomchatter.com, or you can contact Don at his email, which is don at randomchatter.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sportcastanon, A-N-O-N. You can also join us on Discord uh, under Random Chatter, where there's sports and pop culture talk. You can support us on Patreon under Random Chatter, and you can certainly buy our stuff at randomchatter.com slash store. As well as you can find our podcast on Anchor.fm, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitch. Bam. Man, you, you got this down to a science now. <laughs> I know, I know. I could just stay silent the rest of the rest of the show. Right? Well, man, um, like we like we said, we uh got uh, there's not too much news news, but definitely a wacky and wild week in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I I think ultimately the craziest game of this past weekend had to be the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cowboys, uh, and the Cowboys almost beating the undefeated Steelers. That was just for someone who watched the game. I I almost say that it was not necessarily that the uh, Cowboys played better; it was that the Patriots played just that bad. You said the Patriots. Sorry, I watched the Patriots. I meant the Steelers. <laughs> so they, just can't, they still can't get rid of the Patriots on the mind. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, the, the Patriots playing Jets right now, so uh, I, I pulled up the scores and everything like that as I was, I was doing um, pre-show, and, and the Patriots name had to be there. So I was, I was thinking Steelers, but I said Patriots, so I do apologize about that. Um, so, okay. yeah, it's Steelers. But so they ended think- up pulling it out at the end and, and winning um, – you know, in a, in like a last couple minute touchdown, uh, winning by five. So, so I think uh, you and I are in agreement that uh, when I looked at the score at the half, I went, "What in the heck is going on?" They did not. The Steelers did not look like a seven and zero football team at all. And they didn't look like a seven and zero football team from the get go. Uh, the their first five possessions, it was like. Uh, punt, 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 turnover, punt. So it was, it was, it was pretty awful. Um, then you had uh, another game of, of note was you had the Chargers and the Raiders, which I, I assumed it was going to be a shootout, but it was still a shootout, and it was going back and forth for a while. Raiders ended up edging it out over the Chargers. 
um, which the Chargers just can't seem to win. They're they're probably the close like a few possessions here or there, and they could they could easily be uh, like six and two rather than two and six. Absolutely, their their points for and points against their net points is negative eleven, which tells me that they're not getting blown out. And in a lot of these games, it's close. They just can't seem to finish the deal. Yeah. And then uh, another another crazy game and almost huge upset, uh, Panthers-Chiefs. I don't know what Matt Rule is doing down in Carolina, but their team looks scary, especially now that they got Christian McCaffrey back. That team looks scary. And if it wasn't for a blown last-second field goal, the Chiefs would be 8-2 and two right now. That uh, uh, the Chiefs losing to Carolina definitely would have sent some ripples, and people would start asking questions. Regardless, uh, where the Chiefs are at with their record right now, do do you think they show any signs of slowing down, or they got this? I mean, they're just about steamrolling everybody, but they've had a couple of scares. Uh, I think it's, and it's with the, like every team, there is one style of play or there is one, if your team has the right makeup, they can upset you. And I think with the Chiefs, if you have, a, if you have an offense that's balanced, that has a good running game and you have a, a good threat uh, for, to throw it, the Chiefs really struggle. Now they they compensate that because they have Patrick Mahomes and they have a lot they have a lot of offense. But if you can somehow try to slow down their offense as much as you can, and you have a good offense that keeps the ball away from their offense, you'll end up winning the game. So like teams that can run the ball successfully against them will give them hard time because they'll just run the ball and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Um, I think that they have a very young team, and they have a very talented team. But I can easily see them going to like a championship and getting upset by some of the other teams that are there. I could also see them winning it and going to the Super Bowl. So like, I think they're, they're going to be predicated. I don't, I don't want to say they're a shoe-in to go to the Super Bowl, but I, I would say they would be predicated from the matchup that they're going to have. Okay. Like, if you put them up against the Titans, I think the Titans would give them fits just because they have Derrick Henry. And they would run Derrick Henry into the ground. And if the Tennessee Titans can, you know, create lanes for Derrick Henry, it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs. And it could very well come down to a one-possession game at that point. All outstanding points. 100%. So I, I want to uh, swing back to the Steelers for a minute. Steelers are now 8-0. and but there are still people out there that are non-believers. So now we're at the halfway point of the season. Are the Steelers the real deal? All right, so let's break it down this way. Let's look at their schedule and who they've played because that, that tells you more about that team than – and you can do the eye test and you can look at it that way. But if you look at who they played and, and how they played against them – so they let's start off. They start off the first game against the New York Giants. Uh, well, we know what the New York Giants are, so that should have been a win. They right. played the Denver Broncos. We know what the Denver Broncos are. That should have been a win. They played the Houston Texans. Again, not a very superly elite team. They should have they're won. Not, they're not the Texans of last year or seasons past. That's that goes without no. question. 
And I think this was still when they had Bill O'Brien as their coach. Yeah. Then they have a bye week. Then they go and they play Philadelphia, who, again, at the time, were banged up and terrible. Now, mind you, all of these games are pretty much one-score games, except for the first game against the Giants was a 10-point game. Then mm-hmm. they blow out Cleveland, a divisional game. And that was that was a day that Baker Mayfield got benched in the third quarter. So, yeah, not playing well. Then they go and play Tennessee. Okay, this is the real first elite team that they're playing against. The first and actual they, challenge. Correct. And they won by three. So at this mm-hmm. point, they're 6-0. and Then they go and they play Baltimore, where they won by four, but they won by four because Lamar Jackson – uh, blew it at the end of the game. So they were one when Lamar Jackson was a couple of plays away from scoring and, and ending that game, but he didn't. So you give them that win. So, and then they've just played Dallas. So they really have only two quality wins in their eight, no schedules that you look at for the first half. So mm-hmm. you can see why people would say that they aren't technically like, aren't really the real deal because their competition hasn't been that great. And all in all, you look at their entire schedule from top to bottom, it's not spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. They have a potential to, if you look at the rest of the teams, go 14-2, and 15-1. and one. Um, So there's, there's one team with the remaining schedule. Uh, I told you I've got it circled on the calendar, and that's week 14 at Buffalo. Yeah. And the, Sunday the, night the, football. I haven't heard any reports, but I would be curious to see how Roethlisberger is doing just mm-hmm. because of he got injured over uh, in the Dallas game with his knee, um, and it, it did not look good. Uh, hyperextended, twisted, uh, however you want to call it. It was, it was not – it didn't look good. And he was – you could see him hobbling, and he was trying to stick it through, but it, was, it did not look good. And if they lose Roethlisberger, all bets are off at that point because he's the only one that can really run that offense. Mm. Um, but you got to look at it this way. So their next games are Cincinnati and Jacksonville. And I, I guess we can both agree that they would win both those games. Um, yeah. Yeah. Barring, barring a, a collapse like they did against Dallas, but those are two games that they can definitely win. Then they're going in Thursday, um, Thanksgiving Day, I believe that is, uh, against Baltimore. Uh, they're the night game on that. Uh, that should be, be competitive. It should be very competitive, especially if it goes the way the last game went. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at their schedule, then they play Baltimore, then they go back and they play Washington, then they play Buffalo, then they play Cincinnati, then they play Indianapolis, and they play Cleveland. Um, they're out of that entire schedule. There's really only three games that I'm circling that they could potentially lose, um, and I think they lose two of those three games. Mm-hmm. I think in, I think I think they lose to Buffalo. I think Buffalo will beat them. I think they'll beat Baltimore, and I think they'll get to fifth. They'll get to fourteen and one, and then they'll start resting their players, and then they'll lose to Indianapolis in like kind of a junk game where the where Roethlisberger doesn't play and Connor doesn't play, and they're kind so of resting their players. With that basically that they're going to have it locked up, and they'll be like, "All right, we'll rotate guys in, maybe let them play a quarter, and then put the backups in." Because at that point, the games will be meaningless. Yes, correct. Okay. So, so I, I, I still don't think that they, and it may come down where they need those last two games, but I still, don't, I still think they go fourteen and two, 
And I still don't think they make it to the championship game. I, st- I think they come out, they lose in the uh, divisional series. Especially if they have to go up against Kansas City, I think I think Patrick Mahomes, they, they, they really struggle with a team that can spread you out. And that is the epitome of what the Kansas City Chiefs will do. They will spread them out and it'll just, it'll end up being a shootout. And I just, I don't see the Steelers having enough firepower to keep up with. uh, Patrick Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks you don't want to be in a shootout with. Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll lose. The money will be on him 95% of the time. Um, Let's jump over to the AFC East. And we're not going to talk about my seven and two bills. What I want to talk about in the big surprise this season, the five and three Dolphins. That's right. I said it. Five and three Dolphins. What's your feeling yeah. on this team? So let's put it this way. They may be five and three, but do we really think that they're going to make one of the wild card spots when you have, like, if you go through the standings, you have so many other teams that are right there with them that are probably going to be better than them by the time the season ends. So, mm-hmm. like, you have, you have, Six and two Baltimore. You have five and three Browns. You have five and three Colts. You have the five and three Raiders. Like all those teams are better than um than than the Dolphins, hands down. So the, I think the Dolphins will be competitive there, but I don't think that they will uh, make the playoffs. The 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 fact they had back to back wins against the Rams, um, and it was the Miami defense that got the job done there. And then uh, squeaked out a win against Arizona. And I think we we're all kind of shocked at that one as well. Uh, going forward in the back half of the season, uh, they've got the Chargers, the Broncos, the Jets, the Bengals. That's up to week 13. Now you get to where uh, the rubber meets the road. Week 14, home against Kansas City. Week 16 at Las Vegas. And they close out the season week 17 at Buffalo. A very tough way to finish the season if you're trying to compete. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it, they're going to come down to earth. I think two is play. Two is still a rookie, so he's playing pretty well out of his mind. Um, or not necessarily out of his mind, but he's playing very well for a rookie. But I just, I don't see that sustaining. Um, they're going to throw things. Different defenses are going to throw a lot of different things at them, and um, it's going to. It's going to come crashing down for them, unfortunately, quite soon. Mm. And uh, uh, changing gears uh, to the NFC South in that Saints-Buccaneers game last night. Good Lord. I I told you earlier today uh, when we were at work, that first possession the Saints had, they they, they just marched down the field like it was nothing. And... I saw that and went, and this is how the game's going to be. I did not expect the Buccaneers to get blown up the way they did. They did not seem to have an answer for Drew Brees or Ellen Kamara or anybody else on that team. They they just seemed confused. Yeah, I I I, I will say this: it 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 didn't look pretty, um, and Brady looked showed his age, and Drew Brees looked. Like he was twenty five, um, the way he was throwing <laughs> the ball around, like oh, it was, yeah. it was, it was. 
with all the weapons that they give Tom Brady, and it, honestly, it really wasn't Tom Brady's fault most of the time. Like Gronk dropped an easy touchdown. Um, Gronk jumped, dropped a couple other balls. He was putting Evan, them there, and then Godwin. he made some. He, he started. He started forcing things, and he threw a couple interceptions. And I, I think a lot of that was a product of him trying to like overcompensate for things. And I don't know. It just it, they did not play well at all last night. So. I am one of the last people in the world that will ever defend Tom Brady. Um, but but looking at the tape on some of their games and whatnot, Tom's getting the ball to where it needs to go, but these receivers are not hauling it in. I mean, he's still dropping some dimes, and these receivers are just bobbling these balls. Yeah, um, I mean, he he's definitely doesn't have the sure-fired hands that he had in New England. Um, and... Uh, uh, let's be honest, for any quarterback to be successful, you have to have receivers that catch the ball. No matter how great of a quarterback you are, you're not going to be successful if, you're, if your team is not catching the ball. And mm-hmm. and that's that's been prevalent for a lot of the losses that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had, is that their receivers haven't caught the ball. Well, uh, you know, we still got half a season to go. We'll see if anything changes. You know, they, they thought Brady was really going to be like, pump the franchise up and lead him to the promised land. And again, I got to say for, for a good part of the season here, it looks like Tom's doing his job, but the receivers aren't, aren't pulling through. So I, no, I would like to yeah. be in the, I'd like to be in the locker room. You know, people are going to go, well, there you go. There's Brady. He's showing his age. And like I said, I'm the last to defend him, but I'm looking at some of this going, that ball should be caught, you know? It's right in the numbers. How are they dropping the ball? So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I mean, go ahead. I I always go by the mentality that if the receiver gets his hands on it with the way the gloves are made, like if you ever put on NFL wide receiver gloves, like those things are sticky as hell. So like if you get your hands on the ball, you should catch it. That That's kind of like the fact that, the, that you see like these ridiculous one-handed grabs like Odell Beckham style, like over his head and stuff like that. Like that stuff's great and all, but like, if they were not wearing those gloves, like those catches would never happen. Like those, ca- those, those, those gloves are designed to basically suction cup the ball when it comes in there. So, um, I just think that you know, if the receiver gets his hands on the ball, he should catch it ninety-five percent of the time. I um, mean, it, not- it's 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 a basic fact because you know you can be the. Um- uh, sitting on the couch trying to call how you see it and whatnot, but it's like these guys are pros. If the ball is there, if you have two hands on the ball, you should be pulling that in, period. Yes. So, um, but moving on from this weekend, we had uh, some interesting comments from a former Hall – or from a Hall of Famer. I shouldn't say former Hall of Famer, but from a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, for those that know – when Eli Manning got drafted, he did not want to play for the San, Di- San Diego Chargers. At the time, it was San Diego Chargers. He wanted to play for the New York Giants, so he weaseled his way into a trade and um, ended up getting traded and, and all this stuff, and then ended up being the franchise quarterback for the New York Giants. So as it, as it stands now, it looks like the Jets are going to get the number one overall pick. And Joe Namath threw out there, because there is also a lot of talk about Trevor Lawrence, who is the projected number one pick. I think we can all agree on that. He will be the number one pick. That 
he may either stay for his senior season to not go to New York because nobody really wants to go to the Jets, or he might, um, or he might demand a trade away from the Jets, kind of the way Eli Manning did it. Mm-hmm. What is your thought process on Trevor Lawrence and what he might do? Tricky stuff. I mean, you, you covered it both ways. You know, and um, Eli didn't want to play in San Diego. He went to New York. If you remember years back, Brett Favre didn't want him to be in Atlanta, went to Green Bay. If you're Trevor Lawrence and you're looking at it and you're going, okay, the Jets look like the landing spot. You could play your final year eligibility. Uh, but the problem is, you and I have talked about this before, you play your final year of eligibility, you, you risk getting injured. And that hurts your draft stock. If you get drafted and there's no partners and you go to the Jets, you have to ask yourself, are the tools around me to have a good career? So, I mean, you know, I, I guess that what will determine what happens is if they decide Trevor Lawrence uh, is going to go in the draft and Jets are like, that's our guy. You better get a lot of draft stock for getting rid of Sam Darnold. And you better put tools around Trevor Lawrence or you're going to sink his career before it even starts. Yeah. And if, I mean, as good as Trevor Lawrence is, he might be able to elevate your team a certain amount. But uh, the way it's set up in the Jets, I, I, I don't think Adam Gase is a good coach. And I don't think he, like, you're going to waste very early developmental years while he's with the Jets. Correct. Um, where, you know, and, and looking at the teams that might go up and grab him, I think Atlanta, although they keep winning, is a real possibility. I think he would thrive in Atlanta. I think that would be a great situation for him. Um, so how do you let, – let me ask you. So do, do you see it kind of like a, a fire of Aaron Rodgers scenario? Like Matty Ice still has some fight left in him. Atlanta is winning. Um, but not what they want. So do you maybe take a gamble and go, we'll take Trevor, but we're going to sit him down behind a franchise quarterback for a year or two, let him slowly develop, kind of cut his teeth a little bit, and then decide, okay, it's time? Or I think that's I think that's the best. I am not a big fan of starting rookies from day one. I just – I don't think that it – unless it, it depends on the what team they're playing for. Um, if you have an established veteran, having them sit for a year or a year and a half, or I think is is better than just starting them from day one. Because yes, they're trying to learn the game, and the best way to learn the game is to do it. But at the same time, you might end up causing more issues when it's all said and done. Trial by fire yeah. rarely works in the NFL. Rarely. <laughs> yeah. So i'm not a fan of players trying to dictate where they're going and i don't think it's something that players should definitely do but uh, for trevor lawrence if i was him i would probably stay another year in college and then see what what comes about the next season yes gotcha um Fair enough. and then we, we had we had we had the first major uh, reaction to the NFL, an NFL team not following protocols. 
So Here it comes. <laughs> so as we know, there's there's with everything there's there's COVID protocols that the players are supposed to follow. So the Las Vegas Raiders a few weeks back um, did not follow those and were seen in public without masks on. They were seen walking around the facility without wearing their mask properly. So a lot of the coaches had been fined, but this is the first time a team has actually been fined. And it's pretty steep fine, steep fine and steep sanctions. So the, the, the Raiders themselves have been fined $500,000 and stripped of the six-round draft pick. Uh, John Gruden was fined an additional $150,000. Uh, David, uh, Dale Waller was fined 30000 and nine team along with nine teammates. And, and, and quarterback Derek Carr was fined $15,000. Um, now, the fines and what they do is they, they all go into a pot for charity. So it's not like the NFL is reusing them. Um, so it was almost $1.185 million in fines for breaking the COVID uh, protocols. Um, that's pretty heavy. It's heavy. Um, a six round draft pick. You, uh, let, let's be honest. You'd be like, uh, okay. It's somebody you're probably going to draft and cut anyways. <laughs> True. Um, that, that, that the fine is hefty, but I, I think because after everything we had with Tennessee and whatnot, um, the NFL, that this was a bigger warning shot. Like, we're halfway through the season. I think if there's another team that attempts anything like this, they're going to drop the gauntlet. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that um, this was kind of they, – they did this as a um, – uh, like we have to make an example out of the Raiders so that other teams don't break these rules and don't think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now, now the Raiders have since appealed a lot of the fines, but I think that, um, does the punishment fit the crime? I I, I think that it serves the NFL properly to make an example out of the Raiders to say to the, to the players and to everyone who's watching the sport, like, Hey, we are taking this seriously. We want to make this as safe for our players and everyone else as we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, if another team kind of flouts the rules a little bit and whatnot, I think what you saw for the Raiders is going to be nothing to what the next punishment comes down for. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, they're going to start getting more than just one draft pick. They're going to get higher uh monetary values it's gonna get it's gonna get pretty insane yep so hopefully it ends there yeah. <laughs> ends there what else we got man so i got a question for you and this this kind of goes off it because we had two very uh noteworthy receivers come out of i guess you say semi-retirement uh, that were gone from football for a year a couple years who do you think is going to have the biggest contribution going forward? Antonio Bryant or Des Bryant? Or Antonio Brown or Des Bryant, excuse me. Here we go. <laughs> Let debate, the debate begin. <laughs> I think if you have to look at what team has it together and what team doesn't, I think 
Des Bryant will have a bigger impact on the Ravens than AB will on the Buccaneers initially. Uh, like we, we were talking about the Buccaneers and they, and they just seem like discombobulated. Yeah, you've got AB there. He caught a couple of passes the other night and, and the catches that he did make, that, that was the AB we remember. But Baltimore seems to have it more together than Tampa. So I think Des Bryant would be the uh, bigger contributor right now. Yeah, so the way I look at it is this way, because I go back and forth with it. You have Antonio Brown with probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And they have so much other talent on that offense, I think he gets lost. Whereas you flip it over to the Ravens, they have Lamar Jackson, who's probably one of the best young talents out there. And they have no other receivers. They have a good tight end and decent receivers, but no like break the bank kind of like these are stud receivers. And Des Bryant's coming in. Now, Des Bryant was out of football longer than Antonio Brown. Yes. But I think. And and I I think we can both agree that Antonio Brown is a better wide receiver than Des Bryant. Yes. But I I think that Des Bryant gets more of the balls and more of the opportunity than Antonio Brown. I think they Antonio Brown they'll 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 throw him like two or three passes a game just to keep him engaged and keep him like hey we know you're here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think Des Bryant once he. Like he just got called up from the practice squad. Once he gets acclimated back to the NFL and he gets the um, playbook down, I think he becomes one of their number one or number two wide receivers. So he he's got more room to shine, basically. Correct. Yes. Yes. So we we agree then that probably Des would be a bigger contributor at this point. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> no disagreement there. All right. Yep. <laughs> And then uh, the last thing that I wanted to put, uh, I wanted to talk about because I've been wanting to talk about this for a few weeks now. And this past weekend, I was burning you. (laughs) It has, it has, it has. So I'm going to start out with what what I want to want to convey with with this topic, and then we can we can have a discussion back and forth. I I was driving home and I was listening to the Cowboys radio broadcast um, yesterday. And it was awful. It's just the best way, but it was abysmal of a broadcast. I I was almost falling asleep on my way home listening to a, a broadcast that was supposed to be of an exciting game. And it was like it, they had no enthusiasm. They barely said any of the plays. It was it was like I had no idea what was going on half the time. Um, and they were just making. They were trying to make jokes that were not funny. And it was just like the banter back and forth was awkward. Um, and, and it got me got me thinking, who would you say is the best NFL commentator that we have now? And who is the worst? So who's the best and who's the worst? Yes. Well, you got a big mix there. You got a huge mix there. Um, I will tell you who's kind of low on my list. Monday night football is not what it used to be. You know what I mean? It, yeah, not even it, close. It's just something about it. It, it, it just, they, they've done some changes over the years and whatnot. It's just, it's 
not what it used to be. Like Monday night, you know, that's that's your game. You know, that's supposed to be a, a big end to the week. And 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 I'm not saying the commentators are bad. They're not bad, but they just like when you had Al Michaels and Dan Deerdorf and all those guys. You know, it was just mm, football. Um. Th- the guys now, they just, I don't know if they just don't have the passion for it or they're just not, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm still a big fan of Al Michaels. Love Al Michaels. think he's fantastic. Um, I know you're, you are not too big on Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> no, I could do without him. I think Al Michaels yeah. is the star of that show, hands down. Yeah, and I love him. Um, but even when you get to some of the regional broadcasts, um, you know, you have like your number one team, your number two team, your number three team. Uh, I would have to say that some of the teams out there, uh, the crews, I like the way that they uh, intertwine some of the football players uh, and whatnot. Uh, I know when I listen online, um, Ian Eagles, awesome. Uh, when I'm listening to him on um, Westwood One, guy's fantastic. There, there's not really too many commentators that turn me off. They, everybody has their personality. What I like to hear from my commentators is they're telling you a story. You know, I, I want that, that story as if I was sitting there in the stadium. I want that that passion, that enthusiasm. That's that's what really gets you going. You could take the most boring play in the world, but if you got the uh, uh, the right commentator or color guy, they can make you think that was like the play of the game. That's what I want. So, which one do you? Which commentator do you think is the best at doing that? Then I still say Al Michaels, hands down. Okay. I I I, I love Al Michaels. I mean, when when the time comes for him to hang it up, football's also an awesome commentator. <laughs> okay. My, um, my favorite commentator that I love listening to in a lot of games makes really boring games exciting for me is Tony Romo, which is mm-hmm. extremely surprising because I am an Eagles fan and I'm supposed to hate Tony Romo, but he is very well at broadcasting a game. And I think that he needs to be on more – national fox games than what they have right now what i hear Uh, for uh the the argument for tony romo is the way he presents it like what when he's giving you uh, the commentary or or the color analysis of from being the quarterback in that position that's huge i think i think that yeah i think the, the the great thing that he does is like he'll he'll sit there and as the play's going on he'll tell you what the quarterback's gonna do and then the quarterback does it, which is awesome. Like you get like a kind of inside the quarterback's head. Like he's like, oh, they're going to run a double hook here. What now? Watch out for this guy moving here and the, and the safety dropping back or the safety's going to come forward. And then he's going to like, and it like, it reminds me a lot of like John Madden when John Madden oh, yeah. called games. And, and Man, that was another without great the, one. Without the pen going like coloring the screen. But um, he used to do the same thing and it made the games a lot more interesting. Now, my least favorite, and there's no surprise here, but it's, None. Close, it, it's <laughs> close. It's a close tie between the two, and they both sit in the same broadcast booth, and it's almost torture to listen to them call games. Mm. Um, 
but it would have to be Troy Aikman. Uh, I and, don't know what it is, but he is just all oh, he's just terrible at, at broadcasting games. And like, I don't know whether it's his voice or the what he's he he's trying to be too politically correct, or I don't like he he like almost half the time has no idea what he's talking about and is just batting off banter just to spat off banter. And then mm-hmm. Joe Buck, who's his partner in crime in this whole thing, is like agreeing with him and kind of like they can literally have a conversation about a play for like five minutes and say nothing of any substance. It, it's absolutely amazing. They are just terrible. So you, I, I, I know you, Joe, Joe Buck has had an amazing like hall of fame career, but uh, like when you and I started talking about sports and whatnot, you made it abundantly clear. You do not like him at all. <laughs> no, I do not. Not at all. So, I guess we we talked about who we like, and as far as who we don't like, what it what is it? because uh, it wasn't so much Troy Aikman, but you made it abundantly clear with Joe Buck. What is it that you do not like about Joe Buck? I just think that he he doesn't add much excitement or enthusiasm to the game that that you need and especially like they and maybe it's just because they do a lot of cowboy games but they are no matter whether the cowboys are losing or they're winning it's 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 like a cowboys love fest and i think there's a little bias there (laughs) oh there's absolutely a lot of bias there and it's just Mm -hmm. it's so it's so so annoying so um yeah i just I, i could deal without that for for a weekend Fair enough. Fair enough. What did you tell me? Like when the game's on, it's basically put TV on mute when those guys are announcing. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes. Put the, put the game on mute and uh, just watch the game or, or, or do something else. Well, there uh, that uh, that answers the question for some of our fans, because I know uh, some of our fans were like, what do you mean? What are you getting at? And you're like, we need to elaborate on this, but we need time. <laughs> and since we didn't have a lot of other news to cover, this was the perfect time. Yes, absolutely. All right, man. How about our uh, fantasy football league? How are we doing? Uh, I did awful this week, so I'll let you talk about it because I, I'm, I'm going to tuck my head in and, and, and hope that we don't get to my team. <laughs> we got to cover everybody, remember? This has to be unbiased. So, <laughs> um. Let's start out with Team Dave and Florida Triers. Team Dave, it looks like uh, a win, 122.6 to 116.76. Team Dave will now go to 3-6. Florida Triers at 3-6. Inverness Direwolves at 132.44 with one person in play as we speak. My Pictatorship, Mike at 143.28. This is going to be a close one. Who do the dire wolves have in play? It says they got. Wow. Who is it? I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> ah, the New England defense. Nope. My dictatorship ought to wrap that one up. So 143.28 to dire wolves might pick up a few points here or there. Uh, that should move Mike to five and four. The Inverness dire wolves down to four and five. 
my Whitesboro whack jobs, 133.5 uh, against the Lakewood Wranglers, 106.6. They have one player in play, but uh, that's James White. I don't think he's putting up 27 points in the second half. So as long as that holds, uh, I should finish the week at 8-1, and one, and the Lakewood Wranglers would finish at 2-7. and seven. And finally, Team Football Lord, 128.64 against your Hatfield Eagles, Chip, 63.7. Dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that win will move Team Football Lord up to 5-4. and four. Chip, you're going to fall to 6-3. and three. Uh, We talked about this this morning. You managed to find every underperforming player for the week. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. Cool. So that'll wrap it up. <laughs> that's um, a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's got all the football that we got for right now. Uh, NBA, bro. NBA. So the, the, the only news that we got for this week is they approved the new season schedule for next season um, with a start date of, drum roll, December 22nd. <laughs> Damn, um, like that's said, like a weeks seven ago. weeks. Not even it, it like Not yeah, even. but like they they have they have uh the draft on the I think the 18th. Then um, training camp's going to start like a week after that, and then it's a month of training camp until they actually have games played. Like you're going to have games played at the end of December that are just going to look awful, like so un like uncharacteristic of the league and like you're just going to have teams that have no cohesion um so what you're telling me is we're going to see a train wreck yeah it's going to be very very poor basketball that's for sure Mm. well i mean this is this is put up or shut up you'll see which team has got it and which team doesn't you kind of throwing them in like that with very little preparation time we'll see uh, how it comes together based on last season's results and now the quick start date. This is a little bit early for this conversation, but who do you like? Who who do you think, which I guess, which teams right now coming off of last season and the postseason and coming into this season, which teams do you think have like that it factor where they can immediately hit the court and they're gelling? Um. It- I mean, there's way too much. There's way going to be way too much movement this offseason to to predict that. But if I had to say right now, the only team that I can think of off the top of my head that hasn't lost half their team or or is potential to lose half their team uh, would be the Boston Celtics or the Denver Nuggets. Um, like I'd the Clippers, in the back of my head, <laughs> the, the Clippers are losing a lot of their their bench players. Um, so, but they're still going to have their big like big three big four, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're definitely going to be there, but they don't, they need, they need the, the guys around them to help them. Uh, but they have a new coach. So we, I don't know how well that's going to be with them transitioning to a new coach. Um, the Celtics pretty much are, have the most stable out of the Eastern conference. Uh, less intact. Yeah. Milwaukee. You don't know. I, I guess you could say Milwaukee, but uh, how is Giannis going to be like with, the lack of talent that's around him and, and 
I don't know that's how that is going to be. That's but the big question you, in Milwaukee. You could, you could say you could say Milwaukee. Um, so I don't know. It'll be. Um, we'll have a better idea, obviously, once the the off season transactions and whatnot take place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, but it's good news that they 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 were quickly able to vote on a start date, and it didn't get delayed and delayed and delayed. So, um, that's definitely time, a positive. Time is money, yes. <laughs> especially in this case. All right, cool, man. Uh, well, we'll jump from that, and if we got any more big updates or transactions, anything taking place, we'll definitely bring it all to you. And I scratched my head when I saw this news for Major League Baseball. Yep, so the Boston Red Sox are hiring back uh, Alex Cora as their manager, who they had recently fired a year ago because of the 2018 or because of the Houston Astros sign stealing scandal. Um, he was suspended for one season. So basically they just fired him for the entire season as to like not take the publicity and they're like, all right, we're going to hire you back. Um, really strange how that, that, that transpired. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they go here because we all know that Boston's kind of in a rebuilding phase right now. So uh, we'll see what see what he can do. But I don't know. Uh, I don't take much stock into it because I don't think they're going to be good anyways. But that's just it was just really odd how it all transpired. How like, hey, we're going to cut ties with you for now, and then a year later, right after his suspension was up, we're like, all right, come on back. Yeah, so it's like basically they just had a placeholder there for a season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, given what he did with Boston beforehand, do you think this is a good move? I think it's a safe move. Okay, fair enough. I think there's familiarity between the the, the manager and the um the manager and the uh, team. And the front office there, so I think that's in in a crazy world that we live in now. I think that was uh, more of more of the case than it was. This guy is a great manager, and we need him back. I think so it was more of, a, especially if they're doing a rebuild. It's familiar; correct. both sides know what both sides want. So safe move, yeah. like you said. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then more interesting news, uh, President-elect Joe Biden, as, as it is now, barring anything crazy happening over the next couple weeks, but we're not going to get into that, uh, was invited to Nat Washington Nationals ballpark to throw out the first pitch when they host the New York Mets on April 1st. Um, I think that was awesome um, and, and uh, kind of cool. Um, you don't see many presidents going out into a big stadium like that and throwing out uh, uh, a baseball. Most of them usually uh, you usually don't see it until after they retire, after they leave office. <laughs> yes, yes, you don't or, see it or while they're or while they're on the campaign trail. But yeah, um, it's been a while too. I think we've had other presidents throughout the first pitch, but it's been decades. I believe I'd have to go back and pull up the history on that one. <laughs> yeah. So um, the last one to do it was uh, Bill Clinton. Um, at, they, they did it at other bar parks, but also Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, and George H.W. Bush. So Bush Sr. Um, they all tossed 
baseball is while in office at other big league parks. So it, it, it has no happened in almost 20 years. Um, there you go. <laughs> which is like, like, it's crazy. Yep. Absolutely. And I see my Yankees have made the news again, but yeah, not, 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 not favorable right news. Reason. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I only heard about this because it was kind of a big storyline in Philadelphia. Um, the Yankees have cut ties with, uh, a few of their minor league affiliates, uh, out of Staten Island and Trenton. Um, and basically when you minor league teams are funded by the major league team. So when they cut ties with them, it basically everyone in that clubhouse goes to the unemployment line. Um, I don't know if this was a cost cutting move that they did because of COVID, but uh, it sucks for all those minor leaguers who were on the team and the staff because now they have to go find new jobs. So um, it was kind of blindsided. It was, they, everyone was shocked, uh, was the general sentiment that was, was taken to with their social media and the, the news outlets. Um, time, kind of a tough time for them. Yeah. Um, I guess the, uh, uh, the, the class a club, uh, that was in Staten Island for like 21 years. Um, they're moving up to Hudson Valley. Uh, they're pre, uh, they were previously an affiliate of the Rays. Uh, and the Staten Island Yankees said they, they were basically taken off guard by it. Like it, there didn't seem to be much of a discussion there. And then boom, a final decision was made and they didn't even really get notice of it. They got it by reading a statement from the Yankees on social media. Apparently that's the way you do business now. So that is, hey, uh, we, do, we, do, huh? we do business through social media every other way. Why not firings and, and shutdowns? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even that's done by social media this day. I mean, I got, I, the, what I, the people that I feel sorry for, aside from the players, are the fans. Y you work hard to build a fan base, whether in it's not like a major league, uh, a major league ballpark. These minor league clubs, and the further back you go, like Double A and Single A, you might get a few hundred fans a night, depending on the team that you represent. Maybe a thousand fans a night. These guys are playing for a small paycheck. Those fans are really passionate. That they want to come to that game, they are happy to have a team there. So just to like up and move it sucks. So yeah, New York Yankees, you broke my heart. Sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately, it probably won't be the last time that they do that. Um, thank you, for, thank you for that outlook. <laughs> speaking of speaking of outlook, um, give it in a like a. Quick synopsis of the free agency outlook. How do you think that? Do you think they're? Do you think that teams are going to get a big paycheck, or they're going to spend a lot of money, or do you think that a lot of players that would have gotten a lot of money in previous years are going to kind of get smaller contracts? I think you're going to get smaller. Um, if anything, just for this season, to kind of feel out. Once we get through the winter, and I can't believe we're still talking about this, but uh, what is what is COVID look like through the the fall and winter? 
getting in a spring, you know, is it under control? Um, you know, is that is next season going to be affected by it? Everybody, you know, everybody's expecting next year to like whatever their start dates are that they're going to roll with it. Uh, I would not be surprised if you see maybe smaller. How should I put it? Maybe kind of like what football did, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes thing. Um, maybe some good money contracts, but spread out over a longer time to kind of offset any losses that baseball might have from revenue. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, instead of paying some of your top name players, like the big money to land them there, be like, look, you know, you want to get paid. We want to get paid. We're all in this situation together. So why don't we kind of spread it out or maybe some sort of signing bonuses or whatever to offset it. I don't think you're going to see the blockbuster big money contracts that we have in the past. Not yet. Uh, I think baseball wants to take the temperature and find out how the season's going to play out, find out what sponsorships and whatnot are going to look like, and then go from there. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think that it's definitely going to be a cut in spending for a lot of teams and they're not going to want to give out these major hundreds of millions of dollars of contracts that they normally get. I think that, a couple of players are going to get paid, but I think the majority of them are going to, uh, you're going to see a long, not a spending spree, but a long drawn out off season of a lot of players not getting signed till right before spring training hits. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would not suggest for these players, if the players are smart, you know, everybody want to get, everybody wants to get their money, but I think if they're smart and management comes and goes, Hey, you know, we want you, but here's what we're offering. It's less than what would have been market value in the past, but you understand what we just went through. Uh, you know, if you stick with us, we'll stick with you. You know, there's got to be some incentive on the back end. I think some players would take that. All right, I'm not going to be playing for the big money contract now, but if I have a good season, uh, you know, and, and revenues are up and we get people in the stands and the teams are turning the corner, uh, I think some of those teams will be like, you know, if the player sticks with us, we're going to stick with them. And there will be some sort of compensation for them on the back end. Agreed. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say that until, until it starts getting on and, and we get into the, the heart of free agency right now. It's just all speculation. Um, right. Then we have the NHL, which uh, I throw my hands up at because literally absolutely nothing happens this week for the yep. NHL. Quiet. So we're going to move on. <laughs> move on. We're going to go to our, our – our, I'm just going to call it college topics because that's kind of where it's getting at right now. So college topics, um, college football, uh, big game this past weekend between Clemson and Notre Dame as well as Florida and Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame ended up winning against the Trevor Lawrence-less – Clemson Tigers. It's a statement uh, right so, there. <laughs> so my, my question for you, does 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 this affect the voting for the football playoffs um, either in favor of Notre Dame or against Clemson, even though they didn't have Trevor Lawrence and Clemson made it a very close game? Clemson made it a close game. They're going to look at it both ways. Um, you know, it's going to be like, well – Without Trevor Lawrence, how good are they? You know, are they still a contender or whatnot? Uh, Notre Dame, surprisingly, you know, they've been trying to work their way up uh, uh, the, uh, the rankings and whatnot. And, I mean, just 
man, they got it. They got it this year. <laughs> no doubt about it. The fact that the game was close, I don't think, and it was two overtimes. Not one, two. Two. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Why can't they end it in a tie like the NFL, man? The, the college polls, they would just, my God, their head would burst if you had that. Tell me I'm ties. wrong. <laughs> no, you're not wrong, but I still think that they should, shouldn't have ties in, in the NFL either. But that's a, that's a topic for a different day. Yeah. Um, the I fact think- that it was a close game, seven points, it was a one versus four. You know, if Clemson was number one and Notre Dame was like 15 and they came in, and uh, it would be a bigger upset. Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame's playing good football. The, the, the game was decided in two overtimes by a touchdown. So yeah, I, I, think, I, I don't foresee the polls moving too, too much against Clemson. Yeah, I think that you're going to – I'll be honest. I think the four teams that get into the college football playoffs, I think, are already written on the wall. I think they were written on the wall even before this season started. Oh, it's going yeah. to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Agreed. Everyone else 100%. is playing for, playing for bowl position, but that's, that's basically where it's going to – it's going to be it at the end of the season. So, so the loss to Notre Dame moved Notre Dame uh, up from four to two and Clemson from one to three or one to four. So it, it, you're still in the top five and, and uh, Florida and Texas A&M are knocking at the door. So in, in your, in your top five, we'll say top six, right? Uh, Texas A&M, Florida, Clemson all have a loss. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Alabama are undefeated. I can foresee a situation where an, if one of those other teams loses, I can see Clemson fighting their way back into a top-two position. But they're going to need help. Uh, you need somebody up, up at the top to lose if, if, to fight for that. Yeah, they're going to need some – they're going to they're gonna need a loss from one of those top teams. But, it, I mean, even at that vein – like even if Clemson were to get in as a four, I, I mean they're still a favorite. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, you're still. Gonna, I mean, you would have yeah. an Alabama Clemson yeah. first round of the playoffs matchup, which just be. And the the way people are going to argue it, well, Clemson only had one loss, and that's because they were without Trevor Lawrence. That's exactly how the argument's going to go. No, oh, absolutely, and and they're going to have to take that. And like, I don't think if 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 Clemson were to win the rest of their games and not get into the college football playoffs, that would be the biggest. Farce in, in in the entire college. Uh, history. I don't know, man. There's been some pretty doozy, pretty big doozies out there. <laughs> there has, college there football. Has. <laughs> but that one definitely would be. Um, that would be like really. So our guy was down and out for a game, and and you punish us like that. And so then it, yeah, moving on to this weekend. Right now they're saying the Bama LSU game is going to be in jeopardy, which is going to be a big big matchup. Um, so. We will we will keep an eye out onto that, but uh, if I remember correctly, that's the rematch of the championship from last year, correct? Mm. Uh, I believe so. Yep. So um, that's definitely going to be a highly contested game, and it'll be important to see um, whether they actually end up playing that game or not. Um, so we also got our first look at the AP season poll, Associated Press season poll for college basketball. And uh, I don't. You were chomping at the bit for this, weren't you? You've been waiting for this. 
I've been waiting for this. I wanted to see where they put my team at. Um, for those who don't know, I'm a huge, 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 huge Duke fan. And where uh, did they put so, the Dukies? So the Duke for the AP poll um, is kind of low. They're at nine. Um, but I think they can move up. I'm okay with them being nine. Usually when they get put in the top five Jeez, or something man. like that, they have a terrible, <laughs> terrible season. So, uh, so you'd rather okay uh, be that. lower and have lower expectations and go, wow, look how good we did. I mean, let's be honest. How many number one seeds in the draft or in the NCAA tournament actually win the NCAA tournament? You're right. You got a good point. <laughs> Moving along. So, um, so, and the years that they've been number one overall, they've, they've lost before they even got to the final four. So um, as long as they win a championship, it does not matter. So you're happy. What you tell me is you're happy with nine. You're feeling good with nine. I'm okay with nine. All right. Um, so. Uh, just to go off, we'll just do the top 10, which I think it's, it's quite interesting because usually you have normally at the top of the list, it's Kentucky, Duke, Villanova, Virginia, Michigan State, in some way, shape, or form. North Carolina is up there. You have Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, Virginia, Iowa. Stop Kansas. right there. Just for the top five. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Like that is that yep. is way different than what you're normally used to, and a lot of oh, that yeah. is because Baylor returned a lot of their players from last year. Villanova returned a lot of their players from last year. Gonzaga basically has the same team that they had last year. Mm -hmm. Virgi Virginia is a little bit of a different case. It's their style of play more so that puts them in the top five than the talent that they have on the team. They lost a lot of guys on their their talent on their team, so it'll be interesting to see how they they recover. Iowa, I don't know much about. Kansas lost a lot of their star power, but they had a lot of re good recruiting class. Um, then you have Win Wisconsin, Illinois, Duke, and Kentucky. Again, I don't know much about Wisconsin or Illinois and who they have on their team, but then you get into Duke and Kentucky, who are a lot of one-and-dones, and Duke's returning a lot of guys from last year, and they're going to have a lot of chemistry issues that they have to get through. Um, so so notably, it'll, it'll some, notably, some of the powerhouses, the traditional powerhouses on the list are way down the list. Yeah, which I think is good. That makes it more competitive and makes for a better overall mm -hmm. season. So I'm excited for it. Should be a lot of fun. But I, uh, I mean, and again, this is like preseason polls. So, you know, these things are going to jump around like crazy. Um, but I got to be honest with you. Uh, for years and years and years, uh, you're diehard college basketball. I love college basketball. It, it, even for the top 10, we'll see even the top five. It's nice to kind of see a changing of the guard a little bit from time to time. Yes, yes. It, it, I, yeah. it's, it's definitely good to see a changing of the guard. And uh, who knows? It, it, we may have a first-time champion this year. Uh, especially with COVID, nobody really knows what's going to be going on with that. So we were robbed of a season. I'll tell you that you and I were licking our chops ready for March Madness, and then boom, here it came. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, uh, that was. Uh, it's an interesting list. I'm going to have to dive into it some more, but definitely uh, the the top 25 preseason polls a lot different than we've seen in the past. But with that being said, we're all done with the college football topics. So guess what, everybody? You know what it's time for. 
It's time for Chips Chumps. Bad plays, bad players, awful calls, poor sportsmanship. The worst of the week with Chips Chumps. All right, guys, it's that time of the the show. Um, So we're going to get right into it with number five. So number five goes to a team that really should have blown out their competition this weekend, and they didn't even come close. It was a nail-biter. They were awful. Nothing was working. When you have a 80-plus and a 90-plus kickoff return and punt return against you, uh, respectively, Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know what – happened to you this weekend whether you just kind of overlooked the Cowboys or or what but wow you guys should have lost that game um so for that moron number four so number four goes to the Florida Georgia broadcast and for one thing only so one of the wide receivers for Georgia was running down the field on a 32 yard touchdown catch and kind of stepped wrong, injured his ankle, and all you could see was his his ankle was straight and then it went sideways. And the broadcast kept, and I mean kept, um, showing him laying on the ground with his foot sideways. Oh my God, was it, it, like, I'm okay with it because I've seen that a lot, but I know a lot of people that were super disgusted with that. And cringeworthy kind of material and the fact that you guys kept it on there it's like it's like adding insult to the 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 wound i like i I can never stand how you show like every angle of a person's leg as it's getting twisted into let's just say that their foot their legs broken or they suffered a gruesome injury like you don't need to show it like people don't want to see all that and like cringe and like you know high shield their eyes like nobody wants to see that no one wants to see anybody get hurt so for that Morons. Number three. So number three goes to a kind of a two-parter. It goes to Justin Turner and then the Major League Baseball for their reaction to it. So I, I didn't say much about it when it happened, but Justin Turner tested positive for COVID uh, during the middle of the World Series final game. Yes, during the middle of the game. So he got pulled and put in the clubhouse and put in isolation. You think they would have stopped him there? No, he, as soon as they won it, he ran out of his isolation. So he wasn't in isolation anymore and was running out on the field with the rest of his teammates without a mask, without any protection. So not only did he test positive for COVID, not only was he not wearing a mask, not only was he on the field with the rest of his teammates, but he was basically just shouting and yelling and screaming in close proximity to everyone. Um, you think that the Major League Baseball would have came down hard with some type of sanction? We just saw that with the NFL. No, he apologized and they went, okay, moving on and didn't give him any sanctions. Are you kidding me? What's to stop anybody else from doing that? Like, I understand you won the world series. It's such a great honor and everything with that, but just Turner put on a mask, put on a face shield, like put on a hazmat suit for all, for all we know, like protect the rest of your team mates. Like this could have ended up being extremely disastrous, especially with you passing it along to the rest of your team. Thank God you didn't, but wow. Moron. Number two. So number two goes to another kind of like 
stupid, stupid people being stupid uh, goes to the Notre Dame fans. So as we saw, as we uh, reported earlier, Notre Dame beat Clemson. Um, and the uh, Notre Dame coach went to his players and said, as soon as that buzzer hits and we beat them, run off the field. Because he knew that those fans were going to bum rush the field. And you know what happened? The team, the fans bum rushed the field. And all the players got uh, mixed in with the with the fans that hadn't been tested. And it's just, it's like, you're looking for like a cesspool of COVID right there. So thank God, no, no player has tested positive, but, and this, the school has come out this, they're going to test everybody that went to the game to make sure that this doesn't spread like wildfire. But you know, the one thing that they don't want is large gatherings of people together in close proximity because yeah, that's going to, you know, make the virus spread a lot quicker. Um, yeah. Moron. Number one. So number one goes to one of uh, kind of an interesting situation. And I didn't expect this to be the number one thing that I put on my list. But as I was reading through the notes and I was uh, getting all the articles, I came across this. And this just makes me like shake my head and squint and just go, really? So Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson decided that it was a good Good idea for him to trademark the phrase, let Russ cook. Really? Really? So that he can put this on cooking utensils, cookware, chef hats, aprons. Like, what? Why? I guess you have to be in Seattle to be a fan of Russell Wilson, but I would never, ever, like, have an apron that says, let Russ cook. My, first of all, my name's not Russ, so it would not have made, it would have made absolutely zero sense. No one would have known what it meant. Um, I just hope that more players don't do stupid things like this and start like uh, trademarking different sayings or phrases that go along with their name. Like it, 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 this could get really out of hand. So for that and the potential of what this could mean down the future or down the road, I just ugh, moron. So that's it, guys. Uh, I will post this up online. Let me know if you agree, disagree, uh, if I missed anyone, or um, I was completely off base. There we go. Chips chumps for another week. Uh, interesting list this week. <laughs> yes, very interesting. interesting. list this week, yes. Um, and I know uh, together you and I were kind of discussing the notes a, a little bit, and that there were some potential honorable mentions to put on that list quite a few honorable mentions uh, for that list. So I wouldn't say we struggled with it, but as always with the list, there is some stupidity that definitely beats out other stupidity. (laughs) Uh, Way too much. Way too much. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, That wraps up the chump. So let's go ahead and hit the final buzzer. It's the final buzzer. The last moments of the show. Okay, here we go. Five. Four, three, two, one. All right, everybody, you heard it. We are at the final buzzer, the last few minutes of the show. Chip, uh, a lot of good football discussion today, I would say. There wasn't too much news to cover in the rest of sport in general, but uh, definitely a lot of interesting football. And we are looking forward to college basketball season. Uh I guess if we're uh, going to talk about Notre Dame and their victory, we need to talk about the movie of the week. So what do you have for us? 
Yep. So going off of Notre Dame's victory, uh, this this movie is a famous, famous movie about Notre Dame, and and I think is actually based off of a real story. Um, this week's movie of the week is Rudy, which is a 1993 film uh, that in uh, basically involves the unlikely uh, football player, I guess you could call him, that walked on at Notre Dame and, and uh, which hadn't been done ever and basically worked his heart out for four years to try to make the team and, and practice with them and never really got suited up for a game. Um, and it goes through his, his trials and tribulations of, of trying to make the team and, and his personal demons that he had to deal with. Um, so the quote of the week is probably one of the most famous scenes slash quotes of the movie. Um, and it goes like this. You're five foot nothing, 100 and nothing. And you have barely a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in there with the best college football players in the land for two years. And you're going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this life, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody but yourself. Super inspiring movie. I definitely recommend it for you. I love it. The, the story is fantastic. Uh, it never gets old. And it is now very inspiring. It's one of those movies you can watch over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. If you need that warm, fuzzy moment, the movie definitely delivers. <laughs> All yep, right, man. Absolutely. Uh, another week in the books. We are rolling along here. We are halfway through the NFL season. We got about six, seven weeks to go before we kick off again with the NBA season. NHL, no idea. Uh, then we're going to get a little break, and then it's back to baseball season again. Uh, it is nice to try to get the sports back to normal somewhat. It gives us a chance to digest the sports news, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, man. Um, well, unless you got anything else to add? Nope. Uh, ready for uh, uh, a relaxing week, and uh, we'll be back here next week. Awesome. All right, everybody, as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate the following, and we're out. You've been listening to Sportscasters Anonymous. Your opinion may differ, but that doesn't mean you're right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. We hope you were intrigued or at least entertained. You can find the podcast on all the major networks. Find us on Discord and Patreon at Random Chatter. Hook up on the website at randomchatter.com and browse through the merchandise at randomchatter.com slash store. We'll see you next time. This is Sportscasters Anonymous. Signing off.